This is Champagne Problems, where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking. This is a judgment-free zone where we can all take a look at how we make decisions about our relationship with alcohol. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are here with Bill Schufelt, the founder and CEO of Athletic Brewing Company, the maker of my all-time favorite non-alcoholic beer. Athletic Brewing burst onto the scene in the world of alcohol-free beer. Bill was in finance for years, and then after making some changes around his own relationship with alcohol, he realized there weren't any really good non-alcoholic options. So that's what he did. He put together a team and a plan, and he started brewing non-alcoholic craft beers. Fast forward to today, and Athletic Brewing has grown somewhere upwards of 500% yearly for the past few years. I mean, they're they're absolutely tonning it. Their mission statement is without compromise, which I love because it means I can still hang out and do the things I normally do and not compromise any enjoyment. So let's meet Bill Schufelt. Let's start, if you're good with it, um, with your relationship with alcohol and, and kind of what led to your journey. Let's jump right in. I would like to think that my journey with alcohol is somewhat of a modern one, so to say, um, where uh, I, like, I'm a huge beer guy, huge food guy. Uh, I kind of run hard at everything I do in my life, um, be that, like, anything from, like, working on a model in Excel in my day job and everything, like, in my prior life, to social occasions, relationships with friends, everything. Like, I take, I give everything I do my all. In that, like, alcohol is, oh, like, I have a huge appetite. I can eat an enormous amount of food. But, like, also, like, in that, like, definitely never, didn't always know when, like, the finish line of my drinking day should be, for sure. And, mm-hmm. but in the industry I was in previously, so I spent 12 years in the hedge fund industry before starting athletic brewing. And I'd wake up 5 a.m., work out, have a 12-hour workday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then four nights a week, go to work dinners, idea dinners, research dinners, just like general like social work dinners or out with friends, my wife to dinner. And then weekends, it was dinner with my wife, with family, friends, barbecues, weddings, bachelor parties, everything. And yeah, before I knew it in that, there's like five or six drinking days a week in that calendar. And like you're really for decade plus like burning the candle at both ends and your feet, when they hit the ground in the morning, are never the best they're going to feel all day. And But I loved working out. And as I was moving through my 20s, um, like, I think a big part of it, too, is that information is just so much better these days. Uh, it's readily available yeah. on your cell phone, an iWatch, a Whoop band, a Fitbit, anything. And no longer are the days where an ad tells you something on TV, and that is tr- social truth, like like a beer ad shows you everyone drinks when they have fun. So everyone drinks when they have fun. It actually Mm -hmm. turns out like now we can tell what inputs make us feel better and track it really easily with all those wearables. And you can actually Google and like be like, Oh, actually like 50% of adults barely drink or like 20% of adults consume 80% of the alcohol in society. And like with the information at my fingertips, but also my personal journey of just never really feeling great. and like, Every once in a while, taking it too far and like you don't eat well, you miss workouts, so you're not sharp at work and you get stuck in like a negative cycle rather than 
a positive cycle of working out, sleeping well, and feeling good. I guess all that's a long way to say that like alcohol was like a productivity limiter in my lifestyle, basically. And I almost unintentionally quit drinking. It was September 2013. I was training for an ultra marathon. Like I was just kind of re-falling in love with working out and anything from 10-minute workouts to six-hour trail runs and I stopped drinking for a month and removing alcohol was like the biggest life hack I'd ever uncovered. I was sleeping eight hours through the day, through the night, every night. I was less stressed at work. I didn't miss any workouts. I was eating healthier. And all those things were kind of like a virtuous cycle of like being like more, more and more productive and positive. And so I never went back to drinking, but I still love doing all those things I used to like to do. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was the guy at every work dinner who when it came time to order, would have to like go through the awkward process with the waiter or bartender, but then also the awkward process with the table being like, there's nothing wrong. I'm just like, <laughs> just want to feel good tomorrow. And yeah. it, it honestly turned into such a pain point. I think the inflection for me was I was walking to dinner with my wife and like, it was going to be such a good dinner and I knew the food was going to be awesome, but I'd looked ahead of time and they just had a terrible non-alcoholic drink menu, like non-existent. And I was like, uh -huh. I'm going to have this awesome meal and a Diet Coke, and it's going <laughs> to torch the meal. She ultimately like, grabbed my shoulder when I started talking about how non-alcoholic craft beer should be a huge thing and like how everyone would drink it every night of the week and would have such a positive impact. Did you have any situations where you lost relationships or had any kind of negative impact as a result of you going down this path? In many ways, it might have been my own choice where like, I recognized some relationships and some time I was spending, like really actually didn't have that much substance. Like when all of a sudden I was like in that place with the clear head, I was like sometimes kind of bored with it. And, yeah. But then many of my best friends too, like their behavior didn't change whatsoever. One of my biggest realizations was I loved buying a round of drinks for my friends as much as I ever liked drinking a drink myself. Mm -hmm. People really didn't care what I had in my hand for the most part as long as I was there and I was present and I was having fun. And I think it's been funny to see that like most of my heaviest drinking friends understand athletic brewing the most. And like, we're totally unfazed by me stopping drinking. That's very cool. And that's great to hear you know this, but there's such a concern <laughs> when people want to make that change. And I mean, I experienced it. I still kind of, you know, sometimes I'm haunted by the idea of making someone uncomfortable because I'm not drinking or them making me uncomfortable because I'm not drinking and they are. And, and those kinds of, you know, they're fairly, fairly irrational. I mean, I think there are extenuating circumstances where they do hold some truth. Uh, but, you know, somewhere along the, the kind of middle of the ground, it's, it's, it's really not a factor. Yeah. You know, you do you and, and I do me. <laughs> yeah, I've been on probably like 12 to 15 bachelor parties sober now, tons of weddings and stuff. And like people really don't care as long as I'm there and having fun. And the amount of trouble I've kept friends out of, like hurting them around <laughs> in New Orleans. Oh my goodness. Like he's just running out of the world. Yeah. Like, it's great to have like someone with their wits about them in the group too, for sure. We're all in the search for feeling better, better performance, better mindfulness, less stress. And when you track all those inputs, removing alcohol can make a lot of sense. Oh man, Bill, you're, you're speaking our language here because I love the idea of just a, a, a modern way of looking at it because as you know, the historical way is, you know, 
the extreme version and it's it's a little bit less functioning of of a drinker and and that's kind of what we have stigmatized as someone who needs to or wants to stop drinking is someone with these big issues and that's not like you said it's that's a very small percentage of people and and we know that here on the podcast which is why you know our target audience is not those people we're we're not a sobriety and recovery podcast we're we're for all the people that are right in your boat the drinkers who are looking to be better like if you actually look at the numbers around kind of what we were just talking about um like alcoholism and recovery it's always been like a very anonymous shielded private out of the public eye thing that people have done and i really am looking forward to like more open dialogues about that and like like that like the positive aspirational side of like removing alcohol because if you look at the numbers i'd have to google but like however many u.s adults there are if there's 330 people in the 330 million people in the country there's probably 200 250 million adults 15 million americans have documented alcohol use disorder that's a huge percentage of the overall adult population but also, to be documented has to get to such an extreme. So I'd argue it's probably two or three times that many who right. have some sort of struggles or issues with alcohol. So I think a much bigger portion of the adult population struggles with alcohol or is negatively impacted by it than people talk about. Mm -hmm. And then there's all these stats about incarceration and things like that. 36% of people in our country who are buying bars are were under the influence of alcohol when they committed their crimes and things like that, too. Yeah. And so, like... Yeah. There's this huge negative, like it affects so many more people than I think people are actually talking about. And I think part of that is because it's always been anonymous. Um, groups like Alcoholics Anonymous do unbelievably positive impact and like oh, get yeah. so many lives on track. And I'm such a big fan and I've gone and like learned a lot. But I also think because beer, like I think overall marketing is so effective and the other stories about the paths out are anonymous that it's been an unfair like public perception of the relationship for a long time too yeah that's a great way of uh, of explaining it we think about this a lot as well and you know often we we discuss the more extreme sides of things and you know obviously it's a constant conversation of you know what do we need to change there is some sort of missed you know uh disconnect here and and why is it so, I want to say secretive, but like you said, it's, it, it is, it's, it's behind closed doors. And we try to normalize that conversation, obviously, because that's where the healing and the growth and the, the awareness starts, you know, once you can relate and see that this is not just you and, and you don't have to hide it. And, you know, honestly, <laughs> if you look at alcohol and the way it's marketed and the way that it's designed and made, you know, it's created to get you dependent on it. <laughs> and so, that happens to you and all of a sudden you've got this shame and this guilt when you just did what they wanted you to do. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the, the world's a stressful place for sure. Oh yeah. I definitely understand humans for thousands of years have been consuming alcohol to de-stress and have community and everything. You can do all those same things and have the communal build back up from any stresses without the alcohol also. It's funny, like, uh, I think the dialogue is starting to change. And I think people like yourself talking about it, um, you hear it time and time again on podcasts like Tim Ferriss's podcast, which like, is all about high performing adults and life hacks and stuff like that. And one of his questions he always asks is, if you could go back in time and tell your 20-something 20, 20 self or 30-something self one thing, what would it be? 
And the frequency of guests responding stop drinking is abnormally high. <laughs> and yeah. you hear people, anything from like Richard Branson to Laird Hamilton and all these like world-class high performers talk about like cutting out alcohol or um, Joe DeSena on Spartan Race podcast talks about all the time. Um, and that's a community that like these Spartan racers are such elite athletes and self-fighting. Oh my God. Like, they're it's insane they don't get the publicity of like the like nba players or something we've had an unbelievable amount of those athletes come to us organically like in the top ranks of spartan and none of them drink with any frequency at all um with like the yeah. training regime so yeah like having these choices be more publicized and positive like if you look at these athletes like of course they're not drinking during the season you know <laughs> all and, right, all right. there's no way like long gone are the days of like baseball players smoking cigarettes or drinking a lot during the week yeah well one thing i wanted to touch on that you that you kind of mentioned was and it's some of my just kind of personal thoughts we discuss you know how long alcohol has been around and obviously you know tens of thousands of years people have been drinking alcohol but and a lot of times we like to point at that and say that's why it's okay but it's always been a very different culture there's been a different reason why you drank and like you said it was for community and a lot of times enlightenment you know helping you come to touch with you know some greater thing or power where now you kind of fast forward up until you know maybe call it american you know development and culture and capitalism and and the marketing of it has begun to create this alcohol culture that didn't necessarily exist prior drinking is needed and wanted and and good for all these different occasions and, and scenarios and circumstances and i think that might be the culprit <laughs> There have also long been like functional reasons why alcohol right. has been heavily consumed by society as well. Farmhouse sales or a lot of beer over the years, like centuries and centuries, people are consuming because the water is not safe and dependable too. Like the alcohol is a super heavy, like alcohol is an incredible preservative and ethanol kills the bacteria and everything. Mm -hmm. So over the centuries, alcohol was almost like a functional beverage too. Yeah, I totally agree. Alcohol does have great places in culture also. We're definitely not trying to be on a soapbox no. and like condemning people for their choices. Neither are we. So many, yeah, so many people do. There's something beautiful about like a really finely crafted artisanal beverage or a glass of wine and like enjoying that as a special occasion and a meal pairing. And at Athletic, we're really trying to give all people access to that kind of experience also. Because, like, really 50% of adults don't really drink with any frequency. Mm -hmm. So if we can give them an awesome crafted beer with, like, nice fresh hops and organic malt that they can pair with, like, their tacos on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. like, that is really elevating someone's Tuesday night where they might have had, like, a terrible day at work. And it's like, wow, now all of a sudden I'm having tacos and an awesome beer I'm like, the day is looking a lot better, you know? <laughs> I love that. You know, you often hear beer or or a lot of alcohols are acquired tastes. How many people do you think would start off their drinking with, an, with a non-alcoholic beer? Like, as a general thought, our company doesn't market to those under 21 years old just because it's honestly just easier from a marketing perspective and, like, it's not really a hill I want to die right. on. But I do personally think that there's a ton of good to non-alcoholic beer being enjoyed like generationally and maybe down as low as 18, maybe younger if you're like with your parents and learning about tasting like high quality things and 
So I, I think if people in this country learn to drink for the flavor and the quality of beverage and the social experience, rather than for like the functional element of alcohol and like a race to get drunk before you have to go home. Mm-hmm. And so there is such like almost like a binge drinking culture where like people are using alcoholic beverages as a delivery mechanism rather than like enjoying it for the beverage they are. So I do think starting with non-alcoholic beer does have a benefit in that, that you're like just enjoying the ingredients and the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an analog to this is, so one of my friends in high school grew up in Belgium and then moved to the U.S. Um, and when he came to the U.S. and saw us like having Jägerbomb shots <laughs> and stuff or like anything like yeah. that, he'd be like, wait, you guys like take this as shots and chug it? Like He's like, I drink this with my grandmother and we enjoy <laughs> it and like we catch up. And like it, it's not something that's meant to be drunk with most of the places to like get drunk most of the places in the world. And I think that in Europe, where there's this, as people enter adulthood, they drink with their parents, they drink more responsibly, and it's more about, like, the occasion and the quality rather than, like, the functional elements in the U.S., mm-hmm. which I think might be, a rem- like, a remnant of the Prohibition era where, like, the U.S. has had alcohol taken away before. So, like, they clench onto it so much. Yeah. But, yeah, ultimately, we don't market to under 21, but I do see benefit to people learning to drink for, like, taste and experience rather than the functional element. yeah well i think that's a that's a great segue into the way that non-alcoholic beverages or, or beer specifically are infiltrating you know our our world now in the sense that you know like i said earlier i, I quit drinking 15 years ago and and i think i saw in an interview you did it's like my options were odul's you know buckler uh caliber which is not too bad and, and of course my my father-in-law Robbie, you want a near beer? You want a near beer? You know, the course cutters and the near beers, the old schools. Point being, you know, now it's almost as if um, compared to then, you know, NA beers were for p- people that were perhaps in recovery or, or you know, pregnant women, and, and, and that's who they were kind of geared for, and they weren't even really marketed anyway. But now, fast forward, and it's this whole wellness you know, trend or, or not even trend, a, a revolution, I would call it. And, and you're right at the head of it. I mean, I love, you know, speak to that, please, because you're, you're spearheading this whole thing. It's, it's pretty sick to watch. Thank you. I mean, it's, I mean, we're just kind of playing our part. And I think, um, I, I think it emerged authentically in my life's style, my life cycle, my lifestyle, like, right at the moment when the country was like ready for it all of a sudden there was just enough information at people's fingertips like people had eye watches and stuff and they're like really like people are so performance focused and like actually like like so many people are pursuing meditation yoga mindfulness plant-based diets and testing different variables and how they make you feel how you sleep things like that um and i was one of those adults and going through a very similar experience. I was just almost always in a penalty box when I went out at night and like handed the kids menu. And as a result, I was always the first one who wanted to leave occasions where like I'd always been the last one who wanted to leave previously and like loved being social. And now because my options were so bad and I had nothing in my hand, I was always like looking at my watch. So like at that point I started to do surveys and it turned out like a huge percent of the adult population was open to non-alcoholic beverages, mindful drinking, as long as it didn't have the stigma and it tasted good. And I think that's what the market had always missed. Um, 
because there was no one outright asking for it, no one was really working on it. So there weren't any new products in marketing. And it was like just stuck in and like so no one was asking for it. And it was just stuck in this circle. Mm -hmm. And it was the same products on the shelf for 30 years, sometimes 50 years. Like some of the beers you just named are from like the 1970s. Um, Where if you walk around the whole rest of Whole Foods, there isn't any other products in there that are from the 1970s, (laughs) even like let alone the year 2000 probably. That's right. and we had this one dusty, neglected corner of the shelf that was actually super on trend in like health, mindfulness, better for you, everything. And uh, so I did all these surveys and like 55% of adults were like dying for better options for not only Friday and Saturday night, but Sunday through Thursday night in home drinking occasions on premise. And it turned out also when I double clicked into that data, it was like, oh, wow, this isn't non-alcoholic beer was typically something that you like aged into or grew out of drinking alcohols frequently but when i double clicked in the data i was like oh my goodness like the younger you go the more people want these options Mm -hmm. and so it was like people all of a sudden right out of college were like yeah whatever alcohol like it and like i'm on social media all the time and i don't want to be responsible for like putting the video and like having my employer see it or something like that and like the younger generation gets that connectivity. Um, so there's like huge societal want for it, but no one in the industry knew because no one was asking for it. And like when I went to work with anyone in the industry, I knocked on the door pretty much every contract brewer in the country. Um, I talked to 250 brewers before I met John and finally got someone remotely interested in the job. Um, and so there was like less than zero in interest inside the industry of making new products but like huge interest outside and i knew like we were talking about a huge opportunity at that point there was like no time energy money being spent on this at all and if people were they were still marketing it to the same occasions oh yeah like i essentially just wanted to market to myself um like the weekend warrior who has a busy day job is somewhat of a recreational athlete and like just wants a good beer in all sorts of situations. Um, and that's kind of like the aspiration we set up the company for. And our whole saying has always been beer without compromise. When you choose to drink an athletic beer, you're compromising not on beer quality or social experience. So like it's something we want you proudly to have the label out in your hand. It has mountains, great colors and everything. Um, and so that's kind of what we set it up as. And then, all of a sudden, when like we put that product on the shelf, it was like, boom, all those adults who had been like casually wondering about like what to drink in those occasions just grabbed it. Yeah. Golly. So cool. I, uh, I think I said this in my, one of my initial 20 emails I sent to you, but, uh, as I said before, I haven't been drinking for 15 years, but I was kind of one of those rare people that you know, was a former alcoholic or alcoholic in recovery that drank NA beers, you know, uh, in the 12-step model and a lot of those schools of thought, it's it's kind of um, uh, frowned upon or at least not advised. And I j- didn't listen and because I needed my little 
crack and first big gulp and big burp at five o'clock in the evening. And that was, that's all I needed. I always wanted something different. I always thought because of this whole craft thing was going on that there needed to be something different. And I talked to my wife about it and we talked about it and we even talked to a couple brewers and of course it just fizzled out and I went on with my life. But now I see Bill Schaffelt and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Uh, it's funny. That is so many threads with my experience, though. I like I did go to an A meeting every Friday night for a, a long time, just to like um, kind of check in and make sure I was taking it seriously. Honestly, uh -huh. um, like I knew um, if I made an excuse to like grab a beer with friends once, I would just find an excuse all the time, basically. And and yeah, there there is a whole range of spectrum and everyone's relationship with alcohol is unique and personal and you can only gather a bunch of data points and there is a lot more going on in beer than just the alcohol. So if like if people smell malt and hops and that's like, wow, I have to get to my favorite bar, like that's not something we want to market people towards or like tempt people with. And we we specifically have never marketed towards not uh people in recovery. Uh, at all so that we're not tempting people but we also know that um like people like yourself and myself who just want a great beer and like get their like be a like it's the way i'd be stressed from the world also is like having a beer in the afternoon the evening is an incredible relaxation or if you do something great like a great workout you mow the lawn anything like there is nothing like a lawn mower beer on a hot day or um <laughs> And so we know people who do have that level of comfort, they'll find us on the shelf on quality alone. Yeah. And we've always trusted that. And we get emails every single day um, from people who are both in that scenario where they're like, thank you. Like you've let me make this positive choice, but also feel normal again. And like reacclimate to society. I can go to sports bars. I can go to restaurants with my friends and stuff. And like, People who hadn't been out in the world are, like can go back and react on they The funny thing is, uh, so a part of this impact to me was um, like when I got sober, I saw the positive impact it had on my life. Then I had two or three friends who I would say had like were drinking a lot and had families and stuff like that. And they asked me like, "How was your experience? How did you get going?" And this and that and like. I helped a few friends along the process of starting their path to sobriety and like saw the impact on their life and the relationships with their families. And that was the most fulfilling thing I'd ever done in my life was like improving this like really small group of people's lives. And I was like, okay, but like, how do I, that's so time intensive. And how do I take that to a bigger scale then? And that was like, the realization was, wow, we could do that with athletic. Um, not only once people are in recovery and looking for options, um, we get tons of emails from people who have been thinking about stopping drinking or didn't even mean to stop drinking, but had a non-alcoholic beer and realized, wow, I'm not like in, I'm not in the drinking occasions for the alcohol. I'm in the drinking occasions for my friends and like to be in the company of others. And we've gotten like, thousands of emails literally of people who stopped drinking accidentally almost um and so we like to call it like a gateway drug to sobriety in a lot of ways um where like it hopefully we're taking the stigma off of like slowing down consumption and drinking non-alcoholic beer in public but also like probably like 
giving people a lot more just like familiarity and like back into the social world as well. Mm, man, you're speaking my language. Yeah, it's it, as soon as I entered recovery, I mean, you just kind of naturally people will gravitate to you and 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 out of curiosity and 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 often you know there could be I, I had a lot of people that you know I ran with that clearly had a probably very similar you know problematic relationship with alcohol and then when I you know hit my bottom and, and decided to go the other route you know they're contacting me saying you know what's it like how do you do it you know is is it does it suck <laughs> you know and then I, I just kind of naturally start helping people and and, then, and that is part of the 12-step model, which I was uh, very heavily involved in early on. But to your point, it, it was so rewarding. Uh, I mean, it was just such a big deal to be able to to help someone change their path. And, and such a big deal for me that I entered it as a profession. And, and that's that's what I do now. And, man, it's, it's super rewarding. No question. I love that. Yeah. And I also have plenty of friends, too, who are like, um, we talk about sobriety and everything, but like, they're also like, I love what you're doing, but it's just too close to home for me. And like, I hope you don't mind. I'm not drinking your beer, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, definitely not trying to tempt anyone, but right. really trying to just lower the bar and get the conversation out there too. Yeah. So like, you know, people can make healthy choices and we really just want to permission people to make healthy choices and make it cool too. Um, like, it's really hard when there's someone like J.J. Watt, David Chang, like uh, like elite Ironman athletes, elite Spartan athletes. Um, it, like, it, it takes the, the bar down a lot to drink a non-alcoholic beer, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions, was kind of the cool factor of of the the new NA deal going on, and especially with, with Athletic. I mean, y'all are marketing so well. I mean, you've obviously got a very – strong marketing team and and the the cool factor is is really awesome i think it's gonna it resonates hugely with people oh thank you yeah it's i mean our marketing emerged like really authentically out of our lifestyles it's uh we've built it up around like what races would we be at and wanting to do anyway and then like let's get a cooler and put it at the end of the race basically mm -hmm. um and so for years i was like running a spartan race and setting up at the finish line after and like i'd like ask permission in advance and eventually we did a sponsorship deal and stuff but anything from like local 5ks to half marathons i was like going out and running i'm not fast at all so oh, come on. i would like <laughs> i would start earlier like start like an hour ahead on a half marathon and almost get caught by the leaders. But like that, that way I'm like at the finish line with a big cooler and a tent when everyone else is finishing. And they see like, like they see me covered in mud and sweat and they're like, Oh wow, this is one of our people, you know? And like, like you're going through it with them and you're in the community and you share beers and it's really been super authentic. I mean, for the first two years, um, all our marketing was just me and my iPhone. And now we have an incredible team of people who are doing a lot more events and fun stuff all over the country. Wow. Wow. But yeah, that cool factor for sure is um, like, we have tried to get like the best of the best in a lot of different sport verticals. And it we've, uh, so we probably have about 50 like paid athletes on our team, like pros and then uh, about 1200 amateur athletes who are many are pros in their own right yeah. and like are doing equally as cool things um 
But uh, out of our 50 paid athletes, I'd say about 40 have found us organically, like have been like, I'm drinking your beer anyway. I'm telling too many people about it. Can we somehow introduce money into this relationship? And we're like, yeah, of yeah. course. Like, we love these conversations. Wow. Yeah, I was at a buddy's house, uh, I mean, two weeks ago, and he came out and I noticed his can, and he's a he's a drinker, and I noticed his can because we were hanging out. It was like two in the afternoon, and I was like, dude, is that an athletic? He's like, yeah, you want one? I was like, man, I'm interviewing this guy in like two weeks. <laughs> That's really cool. They're everywhere, man. You're 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 spreading like wildfire. It's killer. It's funny you say that. It's like he's a drinker, which it it's crazy. Uh, out of our like the last survey we ran, about seventy seven percent of our customers do drink at some points in their life. Um, either if it's like weekly, rarely, somewhere in the spectrum. Um, I think what's really cool is um, like sobriety is no longer such a cut and dry and like alien thing that people like have a really tough time approaching um a lot of people are sober and monday through friday and then drink on like a drink or two or whatever on saturday and sunday and i i think that's a great win honestly it's like it any percentage improvement is a win you know and it's a step and i admire any step anyone takes um but yeah so many of our people of our customers do like instead of having one occasion a week where they can drink beer and feel like not guilty about it, like their Saturday beers while they watch college football or something, like people walk in and grab a six pack of alcoholic beer and a six pack of non-alcoholic beer. And you can have a beer every night of the week and have it be pretty chill. Um, I know like, especially in this work from home environment, um, like I know it's easy to drink beer in my office, but like, I'm not sure if people have like totally gotten over the stigma of like drinking non-alcoholic beer in the office space, but like in the afternoon, I almost always have a beer on my (laughs) Zoom calls. And like, if you're having a non-alcoholic IPA and your stress level is at eight, your inbox is piling up and like, you can't wait to get off the Zoom call. It like having an IPA and there's something about the malt and the hops and like humans drinking beer for thousands of years. It's like, it just takes your stress down to like a three. And you're like, what was I? Uh, so wound up about again, and then you're like, yeah, tomorrow's Friday. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah. God, I love that. I just want to hear your mission. You know, your your exact mission. Yeah, it's to positively impact our customers' health, happiness, and fitness while greatly impacting their communities and the environment. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of have a saying that like, what happens inside our walls is true outside our walls. It it makes running our company living and like everything we do is inherently meant to be positive and so like we never have to like get our story straight or anything like that like everything we do at athletic is meant to be positive from the product the impact on customers the impact on their life and fitness and family and then as a result like community and the environment beyond that um on the community environment piece specifically too just double clicking on that we do have it hard coded in our company ethos, big ESG and community impact programs. Um, so we donate 1% of all sales to community impact at large. And that's mostly DEI um, and like more just like community opportunity efforts. Um, anything from brewing diversity scholarships to supporting female brewers in the industry to education to fighting cancer and all sorts of things like that. Um, wow. 
And then 2% of our sales, um, so 2% of sales, not profits. So it's, it's a pretty big number every year, uh, goes to trail and park cleanups across the country. And, um, we're actually doing some stuff in your backyard in Charlotte and, um, we're right about to announce 62 different grant winners uh, in 38 different states for our Two for the Trails program uh, for the 2021 awards. Wow. But it'll be almost a million dollars of trail grants this year in those 62 grants. So it's not like we're writing one check, we turn it off and forget it. Um, we, we got something like um, 150 applicants uh, and like 4.5 million of demand for this. And so it was a tough decisions. And, but yeah, writing like three, five, $10,000 checks all across the country goes a long way for these trails that need TLC. And there's so many people, especially getting out during COVID that um, like trails and stuff are in a bad place. And uh, so we're trying to do our part on the environment wherever we can. Man, you're covering all the angles. But I guess like, yeah, that was a long way to say our mission starts with the product and it ends with like outdoor yeah. access and trails and everything where like just being able to get outside too. And like, we only have one chance at this world and like we want next generations and everything to be able to get outside, have great trail access and also be able to be healthy in that. So that's a big part of our mm. ecosystem. Man. Super respectable. Holy cow. I love it. You don't, you, I mean, you don't see that. At least I don't have anything front of mind uh, as far as a company, you know, like yours that does that. Uh, oh, thank in, you. In this world, at least. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, holy I honestly man. took a lot of inspiration from uh, Tom Shoes, which was founded by Blake Mikowski, but they had the buy one, give one model for their shoes. And I was like, Blake really, in many ways, wrote the book on social entrepreneurialism, where it's like, not only are you in business to make money, like everyone's in business to make money and have the impact they want to have, um, but there is a chance to have it hard-coded into your business to like do good. And I love that about his business. And that was like a day one concept in our business plan as well, that like we are not only going to have a huge positive impact on people's health and family life, but also on the world at large. And so... Um, which ironically, Blake ended up reaching out like a year after that and was one of our earliest investors too, which was super cool. He like just naturally nice. took, yeah. So he was like drinking our beer and he's like, he's like, I've never really written an email to an info email, like asking like what's going on with the company, but he's like, what's going on with Athletic Brewing? He was like, love your beer. So he's an awesome guy. That's a killer. Your company, your mission, everything you do, does it in some way disrupt the actual alcohol industry? I guess our goal is um, we want to open people's eyes so they can make as like whatever choices they want, honestly. And I, I don't think we're necessarily like cannibalizing alcohol occasions. We're giving people more options. Yeah. But I actually think this is the most credible growth driver in the beer industry in decades. Like we have gone from... I don't know, hundreds of breweries in the country to almost 10,000 now. Oh, wow. And they're all fighting over the same Friday and Saturday night, two to five beers that people drink. Athletic Brewing, for the first time, is opening up the other 50% of the population and the other five days of the week to beer, you know? And it's like, like all of a sudden, there might be five times as many times during the week that you can feel good about drinking a beer 
And so I really think the beer and alcohol industry should embrace non-alcoholic options. Mm -hmm. People are threatened by it for sure, but I think people should lean into it and see it as the growth driver it could be. And um, in Europe, it's in many places, it's over 10% of the overall beer market. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, my, my curiosity around that, I think, was probably maybe dated because now, like you said, I mean, you do see the Budweiser's and the Heineken's and, and all the big labels creating in a beer. So they are embracing it to some degree because they kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of disruption, um, we are making distribution easier. We are like a leader in e-commerce in beverages um, and making products readily available at affordable prices. So that's a huge plus. And then also, we're also trying to be a bully a bit in how charitable we are, how we do business and everything. And customers these days feel care so much more than just is the product good. They want to know everything about companies and peel back the layers of the onion and Athletic Brewing, we want to like stand up and be like an example company for what other people have to do in the future. And um, I think people should have to be good stewards of the environment. They should have to take care of their customers. Like if products do have a big negative health impact on large numbers of people, like there are real costs in the healthcare system to that. Like, so yeah. um, I, I think the way we do business, having a positive impact on our customers and a positive impact on communities and the environment we hope uh, is like the standard that people ultimately start holding companies to in the future. Your story is so inspiring. Your company, your mission, I mean, just the whole deal is inspiring and motivating and exciting. What would you say the three most rewarding parts of not drinking are for you? Oh, thank you so much. I I appreciate the nice words, but like, I'm also just kind of like following my journey and like, it's, it's where it's led me and athletic is a true representation of that. Yeah, the three most rewarding are the sleep is incredible. Um, like the concept of putting down your head and not having it come up till the morning and like wake up de-stressed with like without a restless mind is a beautiful thing. Working out, like mm-hmm. when I stopped drinking, I felt like I wanted to accelerate the whole time I was working out. I think I just have such a more natural tailwind of energy since I cut off all out of my life. It's so much easier to have great workout energy, eat healthy, everything. And then honestly, just the clear mind. Um, like when I was in middle school, high school, everyone knows how it is. You have this intellectual curiosity and your mind just races and you have this like beginner's mind where you explore things. And that's something I'd lost for a long time. I was kind of like drinking to like de-stress the day and wind down and forget the work day and when I stopped drinking, it was all of a sudden, wow, like, huh, how does that work? Or like, I started reading a lot more books than I had since I was much younger. And um, I, I think just overall, like having that intellectual curiosity and fire back. Yeah, man, I have to say, I experienced the exact same thing. Specifically, my wife and child make fun of me because I'm a hobbyist. And it's just it's the same thing. I'm just I want to do it all. I, love <laughs> I only that. got a short period here and I'm ready to do it all. I love that. That's killer, man. Well, Bill Schaffelt, thank you so much for participating in Champagne Problems Podcast. We were honored to have you on here and are super excited for our listeners to to hear all that you have said and, and done with your journey. And man, we just really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you for having me.
The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. For the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline, call 1-800-662-4357 or visit smsa.gov. For listeners in the Charlotte, North Carolina community, visit dilworthcenter.org or call 704-372-6969 or visit theblanchardinstitute.com or call 704-288-1097.